and welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today I want to talk about outrage fatigue and the new normal and how to stay awake. And this really comes from a place of, you know, I'm, I'm sick of this stuff. I, and, and the other day I was prepping the show and I wasn't even irritated. I was just tired. I got tired. We've talked about being sad and how that's okay. And tired is fine. But what I don't want to do is get bored. We can't afford to get bored by all of this nonsense or be desensitized to the news or take any of it for granted because that is that is the nature of humans. That's human nature. That's why Refinery29 keeps on sending me listicles of 10 ways to keep it fresh in the bedroom or 32 steamy whatever. This is the basis for the seven-year itch and every midlife crisis trope there is. Except in this case, what we're getting used to is not our lovely wife, but you know, the dismantling of the free press and democracy and everything else America stands for. So I looked into why we get bored and how we can avoid getting in a rut here. I read an article in Psychology Today by Tema Ehrenfeld, and in it, she quotes Dr. Irving Biederman. He's a scientist, a neuroscientist at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. And what he says is the problem involves opioids, which is a chemical in the brain that gives us pleasure. In fact, the receptors Biederman studies are the same ones that give heroin and morphine their juice, right, their kick. And a new experience will stimulate the release of opioids, which is the wow factor, the thrill of everything. And our brains as humans are hardwired to seek that pleasure out. But once you've had an experience once already, some neurons essentially take over the job of responding to that piece of data and free up other neighbor neurons for other tasks, which is basically like saying like, oh, okay, cool. We know what this is about. You guys work on that and we'll go over here and do something else. Second or third go round won't give you the same hit. Fewer neurons are firing and it's, you know, been there, done that. So that system makes the brain really efficient. And according to Biederman, it also makes us crave stimulation. So being boredom prone is pretty much hardwired. What I'm suggesting is that stimulation can either be positive or negative. So why do people like to go to scary movies or take home strangers from a bar or really take any kind of risk? It's because the newness of it is more important than the it itself. I'm not suggesting that the Trump experience is a joy by any means, but I am saying that horror is a thrill to our brains. We get the chance to experience new emotions, collective outrage, collective organization, tighter bonds with those with whom we agree, and exciting chasms that deepen with those with whom we do not agree. And while this isn't true for everyone, we are, as a species, hardwired, as Biederman says, to get used to stuff. After some time with the administration, we read a tweet or hear some piece of news that a year ago would have been shocking. And now we may think, yeah, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. what else? Like every day, something new. Our neurons have already worn this pathway and it's starting to become old hat. And this, of course, is dangerous. There's potential for this bad news bearer to give us not a tidal wave of bad news. That would get our heart rate up, wake us up, get us moving. But instead, it's a slow drip of the faucet that over time we don't even hear or notice. So what's the antidote? How do we not get used to this drip? Well, according to Ehrenfeld, 
And this is a quote to stoke your inner opioids, keep trying new things or delve deeper into an area you already know and love triggering fresh insights. This is why it's always recommended to start the crossword or learn to knit or it's it's all aimed at help keeping the brain young and neurologically we're more prone to becoming permanently bored if we don't stoke the fires of thought with new things and new experiences. So what does that mean for us as we're both creatures of routine and seekers of fresh inner opioid hit? Some of this was outlined early on in the administration in the article, How to Hashtag Stay Outraged Without Losing Your Mind. Uh, that was written by Mira Kurzer and came out in January. If you haven't read it or you haven't read it in a while, I recommend revisiting that. First of all, don't let those neural pathways get worn down, right? So if you follow all the tweet and all the same news outlets every day, what would happen if you changed your pattern? If you didn't read every single thing that comes out, but instead were more selective. Or on the other hand, if you only read one source or you just read headlines, switch that up too. Maybe choose a long form article or a topic and really dive deep into it. Give your brain some new information. It's easier now to dismiss the headlines as they come rolling through. I don't know how many times I've had this exchange. Did you hear the latest? No, I don't know, maybe, which thing? It's all the same and happens all the time. And it's said with some kind of mild disgust and frankly, a little bit of disinterest. What we're faced with here is a litany. The things they've done become a laundry list. Dirty, but inevitable. But if you really dive into one single issue or topic, it's much harder to ignore much harder to coast through those news headlines when you're getting all the detail because it's the newness of the detail that will trigger your opioid reaction, trigger interest and fresh insight. Another way at it is to switch up not just what you read, but how you resist. If you're in the habit of calling senators from home, maybe get a group of friends together and do it together. The women's strike on March 8th just came and went. I'm recording this before that March, but maybe there is some companionship and solidarity in community. As long as it's something new, different, deeper, slightly uncomfortable, because part of it is it's that discomfort that keeps us awake, right? Imagine being on a long drive. Whoever's in the passenger seat has fallen asleep, to the rhythmic sounds of the road, and we have got to roll down the window and let the cold air smack us in the face. Otherwise, there's a chance we fall asleep at the wheel. We need to wake up. Snap out of it! So all of this doesn't just work mentally. It also works physically. That whole system of wearing down a pathway, getting used to something, also happens in the body. It works with all of our senses, That is how we become desensitized to things. It's why people with cats don't know their house smells funny. Sorry, cat owners. I know you think you've got some system worked out or you clean the litter box or whatever, but your house smells. It just does. And you can't smell it anymore because you've been around it forever. You're desensitized to it. Same reason why old ladies wear too much perfume, right? They don't smell it anymore. And this happens in the body. You do the same workout routine. Your body gets used to it. In yoga, We also become habituated to our practice. We do the poses that are easy, and every once in a while we give ourselves an achievement-based challenge. 
That's why there are things like the 30-day meditation challenge or two weeks to a better headstand. Because if we don't do something new or uncomfortable, we just roll through our practice like yoga zombies. The other option is to dive deeper into the practice by not changing up the poses. So literally do the exact same thing every day and you'll find that you are forced to pay attention because after a while, even boredom becomes way too boring and you have to start looking inward for a little bit more information. I'm not going to lead you through any advanced asana practice now, any postures, but what I am going to do is walk through a quick non-habitual posture or movement so that you can get a sense of what it means to change things up. If you want to wake up, then you have to do something differently. So let's do this. It's really simple. Clasp your hands together. Don't think about it. Just go. Fold your hands like you're in church or I don't know, for a school picture. I don't actually at all know why we fold our hands together, but hopefully you know what I mean. Fold your hands together and look down at your thumbs. All right. One thumb is on top. For me, it's the left thumb on top. And then take them apart, take a deep breath, close your eyes, and then boom, clasp your hands together real quick. Do it again real quick without thinking. Same thumb on top. Yeah, that's, you know, habitual. There's no reason why that thumb has to be on top. It just is out of habit. So now do it the other way. Clasp your hand so that the other thumb is on top. It's weird, right? Maybe that happens with if you're holding hands, like if you have a partner and you hold hands and then you're like, no, that's not right. We have to, we have like one habitual way we do it. So that could feel weird. Maybe you don't notice it too much, but it's a little strange. It's a little uncomfortable and keep them, keep them there that way for a second in this new, maybe only slightly weird way, this non-habitual way. And notice if you really want to switch it back, just take it off. It can be tough to change habits. It takes dedication and energy, something that can be really hard to come by when we're feeling bored or weighed down or in a rut and downtrodden. We'll do a new breath exercise to energize the body and mind. Before we begin, I want to take the opportunity to thank you for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. I'm happy to say you can now find us and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Pocket Casts because we like to cover our podcast source basics around here. Please do subscribe. Please do rate us if that's the kind of thing you're into. Or you can always find all the episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. You can talk to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yoga for the revolution or follow on Twitter at Y underscore F underscore T underscore R. You'll notice those are the initials for yoga for the revolution. And we're also on Instagram if you want to see me post snarky pictures of things. We're going to start with something called Bastrika or bellows breath. In kids yoga, I've heard this called dog breath. I don't know how I feel about that, but it's, I guess, like a little bit like panting. Um, bellows breath is a vigorous breath. It can help clear the respiratory system, strengthen the nervous system, wake you up, and get you clear-minded. It's heating, so if you're hot or even emotionally heated, like you just watched a press conference or something, this is not a calming breath. It's a heating, invigorating breath. It's also good for digestion, but I would not do it on a full stomach. So if you are listening to this like right after lunch or right after breakfast, then just listen through and maybe do this exercise a little bit later after you've digested. 
Also, there's a little list of contraindications. Contraindications just means don't do this if you are pregnant. Have uncontrolled high blood pressure, which means you have high blood pressure, but you're not on any medication. You have ulcers, nosebleeds, recent surgeries, asthma, bronchitis, uh, detached retina, which is a thing that happens. But if you're in normal health, we're going to be fine. So first, let's remember abdominal breathing. Find a comfortable seat. If you're on a chair, scoot to the front and let your feet be planted on the floor. If you're sitting on the floor, get comfortable maybe with your back against a wall or a cushion underneath you to elevate your hips. Find room between your pelvis and your rib cage. Elongate the spine so that your organs have room, your lungs have room to breathe. Also blow your nose. So if you need to blow your nose, we're going to be breathing through the nose. So if you need to do that, uh, get up, grab a tissue, blow your nose, and then come back to your seat and set up just the way we talked about. Take a deep breath in and exhale. Remember belly breathing. With every breath in, the belly expands. And with each exhale, the belly comes in in. So do that a couple of times, slowly, gently, get used to having the belly move when you breathe. Breathing in, the belly expands. Exhale, the belly comes in. Now in your next exhale, exhale forcefully through the nose and then come back to regular breath. So if you need a tissue, grab that. But on that forceful exhale, notice two things. The belly comes in to push the air out and the air shoots out the nose. Imagine there is like a mosquito right under your nose and you can't use your hands to brush it away. You might exhale through the nose to kind of shoo that fly. Okay, so that's one part. Next, we'll add a forceful intake of breath after the exhale. So take a regular breath in forceful exhale, and then forceful inhale, and return to your normal breath. So if you're wondering what that sounds like, I'm going to demonstrate it into the microphone, just in case you're wondering what the audio is here. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath in. (laughs) Easy. Forceful exhale, forceful inhale. In both the exhale and the inhale, you should really feel the abdomen moving here. So now we're going to put that all together and do 10 breaths like that. After 10, we'll return to deeper, more natural breaths. And this isn't too fast. We're not hyperventilating. We're going to start slow. Take a deep breath in to begin. Exhale out. In, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, release. Release everything. Breathe normally. You can come back to your natural breath or you may want to take just some deep, elongated breaths. Now we'll just do exactly that together, but for three rounds. Ten forceful breaths, then a slow, deep inhale and exhale. Inhale, ten more forceful breaths, and another deep, slow round of breath. And then a final ten forceful breaths, before letting that go. It can be helpful to close your eyes here if you haven't already, okay? 
Here we go. Take. Breathe in. Exhale. Inhale and. Inhale, exhale, inhale. And release. Come back to your normal breath. You may even want to extend the breath. Take a moment to notice. Notice your thoughts. Notice your state of mind. Notice if that was challenging or confusing. That's okay because it's a new thing. And new things are supposed to be harder. That's what wakes us up. Notice how you feel in the body with your energy level or your mood. Are you warmer than when you started? Where do you feel the after effects of having done that breath? When you're ready, if you haven't already, gently open your eyes. Make sure you are breathing normally. And for the rest of the day, feel more awake. Be awake to your habits. Maybe do this breath, this forceful exhalation and inhalation until it's easy. And see how breathing this way This non-habitual way of breathing shifts things for you, shifts your day, shifts your mood. And until next time, maybe like normal, keep breathing and live to fight another day.